Now, don't go getting your nose all out of joint. What the hell was that all about? Oh, it's just his way. A little ceremony for the good I folks. I like his way. Well, don't mess with him. He's an asshole. He's a very powerful asshole. Don't mess with him. He's just trying to sniff you out. The last marshal before you kept things running pretty smooth. Didn't make any waves. That's all they want. Things run smooth. They make their money. Nobody's here for their health. And they certainly aren't here for the scenery. Welcome to episode 18 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's least necessary film criticism podcast. This week, we travel deep into the solar system for the 1981 sci-fi flick Outland, featuring Sean Connery and Peter Boyle. So chant along with us as we sing I.O., I.O., It's Home From Work We Go, and welcome in our guest who brought us this film, amateur astronomer Greg Redfern. Greg, how does a British couple raising a family in space end up with a whiny child with an American accent? Well, you've already stolen one of the things about the movie that I thought was a glitch, okay? I mean, who knows? Yeah, you couldn't get over that. I was like, wait, wait, wait. He's British. She's <laughs> British. <laughs> and you have just the whiniest, like, American child <laughs> possible. I, I, I don't know. G- give, me, give us this, your background with this film. What, how, how did you, wh- how'd you get introduced to this film? Do you remember the first time you watched it? What, what, was, what was your experience? Oh, I tell you what, Noah, always been a big moviegoer. And in 1981, I saw this being previewed as a upcoming attraction. I said, oh, my goodness, I cannot wait to see this. What's not to like? And I went to that movie, I think, uh, almost as soon as it came out. And I loved it. Uh, I've seen it several times since. And I think it is truly a sci-fi classic for a lot of reasons, which I think we'll get into tonight. Yeah, it wasn't a movie that I was, I, I think I maybe heard of it, but I, but I really wasn't familiar with it. When I went to look it up, I, I realized I definitely had not seen it before. Uh, Will, what, yeah. was your, what was your background with this film? This is a movie that I watched with my grandfather, actually, way back when. I was probably 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. It was not the R-rated version because my grandfather was a Catholic deacon. So that like, that's just not going to happen. No public sex <laughs> in the bar kind of thing. Um, but he was a huge fan of Sean Connery and a huge fan of Westerns. And I think this must have been on, you know, on basic cable at some point in, in an edited fashion. And I, I watched it with him and, and we had a great time watching it. Yeah, to your point, it definitely uh, is something of a space western, uh, which we'll, we'll get into. But uh, to, to that end, uh, Greg, as our guest, we always ask our guests to basically give us a condensed don't 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 get too far into, into all the details, but just anywhere from a log line to a, like a paragraph. Can you break down the plot? What happened in this film for people who haven't seen it? Uh, get people kind of up to speed before they get too lost in the weeds as we start to talk about it. Well, you guys already gave a hint. This really was a space Western based on the 1952 Academy Award winning flick High Noon starring Gary Cooper. So you go from 1952 to 1981 and the venue changes from a dusty Western town to the moon of Eo around Jupiter. And a lot of the tracks of both movies are present to those who saw High Noon and like myself, and then fall in love with Outland as the modern day remake. So, and uh, just just in terms of, of the plot, we've got 
uh, a main character, sort of a sheriff in town who is sent to literally uh, the new sheriff in town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sent on a one year assignment to this uh, not very plum assignment uh, out on, on this moon and a mining colony quickly discovers that it's that there's some corruption and realizes he hasn't doesn't have much institutional support kind of becomes man against the world and uh you know it goes from there without without giving too much more away but um i i'm curious on your pronunciation i i've always known it as io uh, do you or, or, or is eo io what, what's the correct pronunciation uh, for, I, for this I, moon? Remember how I, said, I think it's io okay I, <laughs> um i i, 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 I uh, right <laughs> yeah well I, I made the snow white and the seven dwarf stroke in the, at the beginning uh but british accent doing that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what what was it about this movie why did you think you liked this movie i liked it because first of all sean connery was in it and his role as a u.s marshal out there in a mining colony on IO, I could identify as having been a government employee and being sent to some quote unquote pumps places in my career and stuff like that. But the, the movie was accurate in a lot of ways, showing imagery that we had just gotten from Voyager and so forth, the Jupiter and IO. And it was really just a great plot. And I tell you what, for an hour, what, 58 minutes or whatever it was. Hour 49. Yeah, time flew by, and it was it was just really good. It captured you, and you know it's a good guy taking on bad guys. That's the whole thing about the western part of it, and it flashed in my mind. I could almost see scenes where you had Will Kane as the town marshal, and there was Sean Connery as the U.S. marshal, and man, they could have walked in the same pair of boots, western versus space boots. Was there, because one of the, the sort of overarching themes that runs through this is is this, you know, uh, company store town kind of feel and and this this you know large corporation that runs everything and you're you're at the mercy of, of their dollars and, and their influence I, how much of that was was sort of woven through the the original through the high noon high noon it really was about a guy named frank miller that was coming back on a train to get revenge on the town and the marshal for sending him away for committing crime so there, there was a town that did not back Marshall Kane. And then fast forward to 1981, where Peter Boyle plays like the Frank Miller, where he is the mining superintendent, and he is in deep with drug trafficking. And it got into people who were allegedly committing suicide, which really turned out to be almost classified as murders. And Boyle did a great job as being the mining superintendent that tried to play up the Sean Connery as the new marshal starting his tour and was going to be everybody lovey-dovey. And man, that went down here real fast, which was part of the fun of the movie. Peter Boyle is definitely a very good creep in this. Yeah. Um, really appreciated his performance. But just to get a little bit more into the, the plot thing, in High Noon, it's Gary Cooper trying to defend the town for the entire film in... Um, Atland, it's Sean Connery discovering the corruption and then being pushed into this position where he can either make some money and look away 
or keep going as the as the good man that he is. And that's actually one of the great differences. This isn't a remake of High Noon. I don't want to give no, people the wrong impression. All. This is this, this just inspired. Yeah, it's, it's it's heavily inspired by High Noon for sure. Um, but it's the it's O'Neill's it's Sean Connery's process of uprooting the corruption, finding the the, the creeps who are who are poisoning union workers. Because that's really the thing. That's the big conflict. Yeah. It's the company, much like an alien. And we'll get to the alien stuff because this basically <laughs> is in the same universe as Alien. It's the company versus the workers, and the one law guy lawman in town doesn't want to play ball with the union or the company. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of want you to get into the alien thing because I have uh, I have a a comp that you're never gonna see coming, but I I'm stand by it. But I want you I want, I want you to I want you to, 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 to give me your, your your alien ties first. Well before I get into the alien ties, I have to mention that uh, it absolutely tickled me that John Ratzenberger who it was later went on to be in Cheers and is now like Pixar's favorite voice guy, Cliff it's, Clavin. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's it's his head that explodes at the very beginning when he when he trips balls on the amphetamine that they. Uh, I couldn't figure out which feeding. character he was. I was I was I was trying to figure. I was like, well, I don't know because they all uh, have like single names and stuff. It's it's Tarlo. Yeah, uh, but but right. <laughs> when he's I, only I, screaming about spiders on him and stuff. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah he, right. His his face just kind of like it's like Play-Doh. It just kind of goes. Just to, right off the bat, the suits look like they're from Alien. Like when uh, John Hurt, not John Hurd, as I yeah, yeah, yeah. screwed up in a previous episode, when John Hurt as Kane, oddly enough, mm-hmm. in Alien, gets mm-hmm. off and starts walking around with uh, the other characters, the helmets are almost exactly the same. And this has the exact same kind of retro future industrial grime feel. Yeah. As Alien, this came out about two years later, and then I looked it up, and it was also shot at Pinewood Studio, which is where Alien was shot. Uh-huh. So it's the same same like interior situation with Pinewood Studio, and in addition to that, Jerry Goldsmith did the uh, score for both this and for Alien. I didn't know that about Alien. Interesting, interesting. Like, so very close, and th- and thematically, they're very close too because it's the company. Yeah, right. So it, it could be the company. I can't remember what it's called. It's like Corpo Amalgamate or something like that. In Alien, they just refer to it as the company. And right. it's obviously very similar in terms of like grimy union folks just trying to do their job, but getting totally fucked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, paying for it with blood. And actually, the the, the patches for the Nostromo have that rainbow uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. And they have it in this one, too. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like in terms of just like this the visuals, is, this is super Noah. close. Noah? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I was going to ask, well, you're showing the, the federal security agency hat, which is the sort of the Sean Connery hat. I, I was going to ask if, if Con Am had any any like significance to, to either one of you. Was that was that very clearly like, it's, it seemed to me where I was like, this is one of those, it's not 1981 anymore. I don't know if this is supposed to be a specific social reference to, to some something that's happened, you know, some, some actual, uh, you know, thing in, in, in the real world or not, or, or if, if it's just what they landed on. I, I think on the, the con name. part is very deliberate. Yeah. Con, it's a con. Yeah. yeah. And, and there are a lot of uh, big name uh, scandals and so forth going on in 81 when Peter Hyman was writing this. I don't know when he started writing it. But when you go back in history and look at the late 1970s and early 80s, I mean, corruption and 
big business and so forth weren't exactly the most popular and stuff like that. But I don't know if that really played into it. I don't think he could get a singular character like Frank Miller. Uh, and it was more like, okay, the corporation is a mining outfit. They got to make people mine and make money to make them work harder. Let's give them drugs. So, hey, it's cheaper to bring up new miners and we'll all profit. And who's going to know? Because they think it's just suicide. Like the quote in the movie is, this place can get to you. <laughs> from, the, from the sheriff or the marshal, one of his co-workers. Yeah. Yeah, the deputy, the sergeant. Well, and that, you know, a lot of that is is very contemporary in, in lots of ways in terms of, of, of just capitalism, you know, chewing people up and spitting them out for profit. It's that's not, 21. Yeah. That much ha- hasn't changed in 40 years. Um, worse. <laughs> uh, so I, I, you've, we mentioned high noon, you've mentioned alien. Uh, I, I have my, my comp. I'm going to, I'm going to read you a log line that I thought up and you tell me, <laughs> you, t- you tell me if I'm crazy. Okay. Unsuspectingly left behind by his family, our protagonist uncovers a nefarious plot and has to defend his turf against professional criminals intent on killing him. Outland or Home Alone? (laughs) (laughs) But he does set up traps, though. Like, as soon as he learns the hitmen are coming, yeah, there's kind of like a Home Alone-y aspect to it. he knows he knows they're going to show up at a certain time. He, he, he lays out all his booby traps. He, he, right. he, he and some of them backfire. Like the, I, I don't understand what happened to the gun that he had put away. That's that somehow that's just like he just never revisits that. Yeah, but like, but 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 right. He like he 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 sets up this this whole thing and uh, on his his home turf. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I thought I thought it was that's funny great, to env- envision them as the wet bandits coming to. Uh, <laughs> well, to there are, yeah, there are two of them. There are two of them. Listen, yeah, I, I'm just true. saying it's a spiritual prequel. That's all. <laughs> I, I think I think I agree with that. <laughs> all right. So I, we we're talking a little bit about you know stuff that's that's of the era of of 1981. What what stood out to you um, other than the things we've talked about, just in terms of connecting to to similar films of the era? What were what were filmmaking elements or just just the, in the production that make this very clear that this film was made in 1981? Well, I think first of all, I think you have to be someone of my age, which is up there, to be able to know what is going on in the 70, late 70s and 81. And so, I mean, you know, the, the thing that is most prominent is Sean Connery. So you would have to know that he was in those 007 roles. And he didn't have a lot of roles beyond that of James Bond. So as always Zardoz. What's that? So there's always Zardoz. Zardoz, okay, that was sci-fi, right? I sorry, I couldn't help it. I yeah, um, no, it was sci-fi, but uh, I thought that this is kind of a major breakout role for him in terms of taking his 007 skills, applying as a U.S. Marshal. But the other thing, as far as space exploration, like I said, in '81, <clears throat> in 1977, we launched the Voyagers one and two, and they flew by Jupiter and that whole system in route to the outer solar system. So my thought always was that they took some of that information and made that pertinent to the time to show Jupiter with a great red spot. And another interesting move that came along in that same time frame was 2010, the year we made contact, which was the follow on to 2001. And I don't know the exact date, but 
you know, and then aliens came out, as you said, a couple of years later. So there were at the time a lot of space type flicks being done, not including the Star Trek with Kirk at all at the so, same time. So Peter Hyams, who wrote and directed yes. Outland, also did 2010. Well, there was another one, Cool Running. Oh, oh well, well, I was, I was going to say you, you mentioned Star Trek, which which was one of the, the, the first things that like the graphics to me, like they, the sort of intro graphics were very much marked this as, as being of that time. And, and they looked very much like original Star Trek. Yes. And, and, and also some of the, some of it just sort of looked like sort of the like set shots in the, in the original Dune movie to me. Oh, okay. um, those were just the, the, the things that shot into my brain immediately was like the title sequence was very Star Trek. Those, those establishing shots. Big were, letters were, and the way it was colored and all that. Well, that, yeah. that, that makes me think of alien though. Again, that makes, sure. uh, that again makes me think of alien. And I don't know why the A was done that way. Cause it's the only not, capitalized letter in the in well the he did sequence. the same thing like uh, cameron did with the abyss 2010 the year we make contact is 1984 so it's 84. three years three years after this i really think that uh outland might have spurred on some of these other space flicks because hey i think it did okay at the box office it, it broke even yeah wasn't a bomb. Space flick wasn't bad. Yeah it did okay there was something else i wanted to mention since we're talking about timeline uh, time period stuff um, one of the, this is probably not a great homage, but the character who goes, the first character who goes completely insane, and I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, the guy's head explodes, the guy yeah. who has the hooker, uh, his name is Sagan. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I noticed that. The names. Carl was all over Johnny Carson and billions and billions, and he was making Cosmos. Right. And right. had made Cosmos had been released, so so not the not the greatest not the greatest nod, but it's a nod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know the doctor's name is Lazarus, I and mean, there there are some pretty some pretty <laughs> obvious on the nose. Uh, it was something uh, else. Names, um, yeah. The uh, I I definitely noticed just like the the idea of how computers were going to work in the future was very much rooted in, in like the early eighties, like the, when she's doing the lab analysis on the drugs oh, yeah, and, and, yeah. and just like the general, like the key cards and everything. It just, it, I, I, I know what that is. I, I can envision how that's meant to look futuristic from 40 years ago. And like the ways in which we've talked about this ever since like our first episode with, with demolition man, Sandy sells three seashells where, where like we, we see the, the way that they envision the future, even from the, the early nineties and everything is still on like little mini discs. Like, like the, everything is analog in a way that it's, right. that it's not in, in real life. And so, I mean, that definitely stuck out to me. Um, and, and just like more, more broadly uh, and sort of conceptually this, the sense of like, corruption and consequences <laughs> like because oh, they like, all get away with it now well right no but like like oh he solved this so like everything's fine no one's like they're gonna ship him back he's gonna be safe there like not the next person up the chain is gonna come and kill right. him for this like yeah. like no yeah no right like the, the law is the law like uh, you know on some level uh yeah i don't know just it, I, I've, I've mentioned the movie Miss Sloan before, which came out right before the 2016 election and which instantly oh. made no sense into the world in which it was born into because <laughs> it's just like none of the none of the consequences for like basic political corruption mattered anymore. Oh, yeah, that's the thing is like we've reached they, such a such a low point coming to EO, IO. You know, they were tourists. They 
oh, those guns didn't mean anything. They're tourists. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was something, well I'll, well, I'll get into this, but there was something I noticed, um, again, thematically, where if, you, if you're in your Western, everybody is wielding a six-shooter. There are no pistols in this movie. It's only no. those sawed-off shotguns. That's right. Which yeah. was sort of interesting. I guess they're trying to say, like, all right, pistols are old hat. We're, do, we're doing shotguns now. Yeah, I, I did you notice the uh, the swinging metal doors? Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> there are a couple of nice nods along that. I, were there any other Western, like very clear Western nods that, that you guys saw? Uh, everybody wears a baseball cap instead of like a cowboy hat. Yeah, literally everyone wears a baseball cap. And they had uh, they had the the scene of the 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 futuristic jail where they keep you in zero g. You know, that was kind of cool. No handcuffs. They just put you in a zero G chamber and you there was, hang out where you're going to go. A, a lot of the, I don't think, I don't think the effects age particularly well, but I did appreciate some of the rear screen production. I think they called it IntraVision or something like that. They invented a new thing for this where they could project in front and behind at the same time. But in that jail cell scene, I think the one that we're, we're all thinking of when the blood floats up while yeah. Sean Connery yeah. is, is like talking, that was really neat. It was. That was legitimately cool. It was. It just And it led to the discovery of the murder of the sergeant. And he finds out about the garrote. And he goes in there to the freezer. And he puts on a choker to protect himself. Yeah, yeah. That I was, was surprised genius, by that. Genius, you know. He knew. He's lucky that <laughs> they didn't use a knife or something to change their MO. But, hey, it made for great storyline. Yeah, that was uh, I, at first. At first, I was like, "Oh, maybe he is as dumb as he as he looks." Like he just <laughs> walked into a very clear trap. But right, yeah, it all worked out. Well, let's yeah, let's get into some of the stuff that maybe maybe didn't make sense uh, in terms okay. of, of plot holes and continuity errors. Yeah. Uh, Greg, why don't, why don't you lead us off and, uh, and and let us know what you've seen? Well, I hate to be a technical killer, and I understand why they did it this way, but I have to make sure our audiences understand. Number one, uh, you would not explode into a big red dot like you see in the movie. <laughs> what really happens to you if you're exposed to a zero atmosphere environment is your lungs expand because you don't have the pressure of 14.2 pounds per square inch or whatever air pressure is to hold you intact. But your skin is tough enough to hold you intact. So you would end up looking like a Pillberry Doughboy and expanding <laughs> out and you'd be suffocating in nine seconds and probably dead. Uh, a minute later. The, that was point number one. And the other thing, and th these were minor, but I wanted to make sure everybody understand. If you remember, they all walk normally on Io, okay? If you weigh 200 pounds on Earth, on Io, you'd weigh 36 pounds. So you really wouldn't be walking around like we do here on Earth. You'd be kind of whoop, whoop, maybe lofting around unless you were wearing velcro shoes like in 2001 or magnetic or some or letting people just kind of you know waffle the way around Th those are the only things and 
you know, the, the point about the shotguns, what I thought was really interesting too, is they had a shotgun. If you remember the guy that had the bad eye that came in on the shuttle had a very elaborate scope. Uh, yeah. I wrote that down. I was like, and how, uh, uh, night vision and all this stuff. Well, that's pretty interesting for something that's got a range of about 20 yards if you're lucky, you know? <laughs> but it made for a great movie. Yeah, the, the gravity thing, I mean, obviously they show Sean Connery outside and, and you see the, the one-sixth gravity, but but right, that doesn't go away just because you're inside. There's no artificially created gravity, but they, but everything is just sort of treated as normal. And I, I understand yeah. there are budgets and stuff. It's hard uh, to... Uh, you know, educate our audiences, but it didn't detract. I mean, that's not something, oh my God, no, but... And I enjoyed watching them explode. <laughs> I did. Oh, there goes another one. No, when the people when people pop, it's it's pretty good. I was surprised at the level of of gore, I guess, in this. Well, I now that that's a question I gotta ask you, Will. Okay, when did you see the R-rated version? When did I, that happen? Uh, today. You mean you went all the way from your first viewing to today? Yeah. To see the art. Wow. That's 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 the whole. That's kind of the whole thing. You know, you wow. thought you liked it. And you How'd you it like again. the R-rated version? A lot better. <laughs> <laughs> the the I, I I did find it was it was pretty funny. The like the going from between when they were about to die to when they actually exploded <laughs> you, you you their their faces kind of in the, hit this intermediate stage they did expand <laughs> yeah well right where, where they 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 look like uh what's his name from the goonies they look they look they look like, like a combination of sloth and uh one of the bad storms from big trouble in little china who just keeps expanding yeah. it's very it's very one. doughy i'll give you another one total recall oh well, those are exposed to the partial atmosphere of Mars. And the first thing that starts popping out their eyes, yeah. you know, that probably it was pretty realistic. You know, I mean, they probably come out of the sockets a little bit. That was pretty interesting. But, but, uh, I mean, and, and not to, not to dunk on this movie, but total recall is, I think total recall is Rob Boutin who did the makeup effects for John Carpenter's the thing. Uh -huh. we're, we're not at that level in this movie. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> so nah. Um, it's more uh, more more drama to the storyline. Yes, you know yes. what's going on. Right. Uh, well, what, what other uh, plot holes, continuity errors uh, did you have? I I mean, not to not to harp too much on the tech stuff, but the old phones, old phones, old CCTV cameras. Um, I didn't really see much in the terms of in terms of plot holes. Although toward the end, when Sean Connery gets the second video message from his wife i was yeah. totally confused about where the hell she was i did, i guess i she's I supposed did. to be back at the space station okay which, yeah which I, is 70 hours away or whatever yeah I, I i figured that out like mid conversation but at first i was like well wait she said she was leaving i guess i didn't realize that she was leaving to the space station but that is cleared up yeah a few seconds later in the conversation she got three tickets for them all to go back to earth right and that, that was that was kind of sweet Looking forward uh, to sleeping with you. Yes. Yeah, for a year. Yeah. <laughs> well, along those lines, so it just this is more like like uh, writing, you know, structural holes that that you know, I have questions about. What, they're really on a one year tour. They go to all the effort to send them on a on a year long, 
stasis mission out just to the space station and then send them out to, to IO for one year. Like that seems incredibly like not economical. <laughs> like, like oh, the whole, the whole thing of like, Oh, we're sending like, frozen meats from earth like through the space station you're gonna go on a year voyage to the space station and then run like supply runs of fresh food every week to this to this two thousand person mining colony yeah and and beyond that like they say that their son their some amazingly american son has never set foot on earth right like where have they been that kid kid looks like he's fucking 10 or 11 at least green yeah right so well, and then the, and then we discover there's this huge greenhouse that that like th- that he just completely destroys. <laughs> like the, uh, how many years of work <laughs> to get that thing up and that running? That was a big dollar loss there. Yeah, <laughs> like and again, everything's fine. Like no big deal that he did that. You think uh, they would have briefed these guys, the killers, before going up? Whatever you do, don't shoot the glass. Don't shoot the don't shoot the the quarter inch wide or deep glass that somehow is protecting the greenhouse from the terrors of depressurized space. Yeah, like um, even if he'd hit his target, he was still going to die. Like, yeah, and the greenhouse was still going to be destroyed. Yeah, it seems like you could trip and fall and break that glass or something. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had some issues there. Also, just like generally, like you can smoke there. Like yeah. <laughs> this, like this pressurized, self-contained, like limited Not airspace. Stuff. They didn't have anybody smoking in the suit. <laughs> that would have been. Oh, that actually, that would be funny. <laughs> that would have been yeah. a great visual. But yeah, I mean, like there were, I don't know, there were there were some underexplained uh, uh, elements of of future off-world life. Yes, yes, and I, I, you know, the doc. You know, she was a central character. I mean, I really like oh, Lazarus. Peter. Yeah, Lazarus is pretty good. Oh, uh, Stern, uh, Sternbergen, I think her name was the actress. She was wonderful in that and was such a great foil with old Sean. Uh, and then old Seeking from Hill Street Blues playing the sergeant when he asked him when they're playing racquetball, how much you in for? Oh, not too deep. I was shocked at just how open everybody was with their crimes. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, I did this thing. Well, they're like, what are you going to do? We're out on this rock. Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, it fits. I actually don't. I was just surprised. It was kind of refreshing and different. Well, let's talk about the characters. Uh, Greg, having, having, you know, 40 years now, but over over your your viewings of, of this, what what character has maybe grown on you the most o- over time? And, and maybe is there one that, that you originally liked that, that maybe doesn't hold up as well? Oh boy. Well, you know, Sean with this passing, you know, I thought this was a great role for him. He carried the movie as he should have. I think he did a great job with that. And, you know, the doctor at first, uh, I kind of grew on her when I watched this more because, Hey, he would have been up the creek without a space paddle if it hadn't been for her. And, you know, here she is. She's a, you know, a mining colony uh, dock, you know, that's like bones in Star Trek. You know, I'm at the end of my line, you know. So here she is, and she was crucial and actually got into good science and so forth. And I'll tell you, I'm still kind of mad at the wife for deserting Sean, although I do say, well, She's looking out after her kid, and I can kind of understand that. But, you know, the, the way she kind of walked out on him and stuff like that, 
because in High Noon, Marshall Kane's wife comes to his rescue and really uh, saves him. And it was kind of the role that the doc took on to save old Sean, I think, in the end, uh, as far as helping him out. Yeah, I, I liked, I, you know, I really liked the fact that her name was Lazarus. Yeah. And she's the one who, so there is a comeback thing. She's the one who comes back to save him. Connery goes into the cafeteria or whatever, and he's asking for help. Yeah. So, you know, can, I get, can I get some help? And they're like, that, you know, that's your job. What about your men? And he goes, my men are shit. I could use a little help. I thought so. You're supposed to protect us. You're the police. It's your job. Where are your men? My men. My men are shit. Mm -hmm. And then a woman comes back to save him. Yeah. I thought that was pretty clever writing. And that was a direct throwback to High Noon. Right. Because Gary Cooper did the same thing going into the saloon. And Lloyd Bridges, the uh, big macho man, he was a chicken and he tries to take Kane out. So, uh, it, you know, the parallels were fantastic in that. But you'd have to see High Noon first, I think, to really get the tenet of Outland instead of seeing Outland and then High Noon. What do you guys think? Or do you think it made a difference? I don't, I don't think it. I don't think it matters. I mean, it's it's a, it's a morality tale. It's yeah. You know, I think it just kind of depends on your on your thing. I grew up on westerns. Yeah. So like, this is not shocking to me. Again, I just thought like, oh, cool, a western space. Like that was right. that was it. Well, and just going back to the characters, you know, it's for 1981. Uh, we'll give it some some leeway just in terms of being a 40 year old movie. Like the future of space as it's envisioned is pretty white. <laughs> it's a pretty 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 uh, pretty monochromatic uh, uh, racial breakdown, but it's not entirely. And and to their credit, you do have black characters at least in a couple of fairly substantial roles and it does pass the, the back bad it, guy i mean yeah one of the bad guys but yeah. it does it does pass the bechdel test actually because <laughs> the, the doctor has like a, a work conversation with one of her colleagues uh early on which like a lot of sci-fi movies don't just sort of by their nature do that uh and certainly a lot of uh kind of actiony movies like it has it falls into the into the categories of movies that are often very male and very white and does a pretty good job for its time period of not necessarily being entirely that and still giving those characters agency, which which that was the biggest thing for me was just that, you know, right, like like the, his his uh, his new number two who like is like, yeah, sorry, man, like I. I'm not on your side. Like, I, legitim I legitimately love that when they were, yeah, his whole staff is just like, mm, no, nah, dude. I love it when he says, put on your stripes. Yeah. Because he hasn't yeah. put on the stripes yet. And then and he doesn't want to. I, I honestly can't remember because I always try to figure out where a movie's going to go. And I know you guys do the same thing because I knew they had to have an inside guy, you know, and I didn't yeah. really. I didn't carry the thought that it was going to be the guy who it turned out to be. And then when he ends up on the outside, you know, and they pops on his helmet uh, lights and you see who it is. You know, oh man. You know, so much for being the guy that, Oh, I got a family to protect here. Right, 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 right. Oh, I mean, they do have excuses. It's a very, it's a scummy situation. They make it clear that nobody's happy. Everybody's yeah. miserable. Nobody wants yeah. to be there. And so you kind of, understand the motivations 
for everybody, even though greed, I think, is Peter Boyle's motivation. He just wants sure. money and to advance throughout the company. But that and the mob the, would probably kill him if he didn't. Produce. And the mob would kill him or whoever <laughs> it is. <clears throat> but the, the motivations make sense. And, and you know, the we've talked about this uh, show a couple of times before, but um, the expanse is is the sort of modern closest tie that we have because it's a show that takes place in the asteroid belt and 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 out in the in the outer planets that and it's all mining colonies basically yep. that's what they're Hard doing duty. yeah and, and you're creating these these class systems and there's the, the money's going somewhere else and, and you know it's 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 a lot of these same sort of dynamics and plays social dynamics uh you have people fighting for different reasons you have their your sort of like main character as much as there is one who's just kind of fighting for justice who's just kind of trying to do what's right in the same way that that our our protagonist is in this in this film um and and all these different forces kind of tugging in different directions in a, in a place that is trying to establish the laws and order like earth but isn't and and i i i've i've found a lot of that same sort of tie of like no one says it, which they don't think, I don't think they need to, but it's like, this isn't earth. Like, right. like you can have structures that you're used to. Like this isn't earth. It's not going to work that way. Like we're going to do whatever, you know, we need to do uh, to survive. I thought, I thought the drug angle, you want to talk about things going on in the present time. Well, the use of the drugs, I mean, back in the seventies, late and early eighties, drugs was a big problem uh, in the U S uh, and I don't know if Hyman's kind of just took what he saw on planet Earth with a drug issue and juxtaposed that saying, OK, we're going to use that for the miners and have our whole plot as to how you fuel money uh, in a you know evil corporation to get the last gaff out of their workers. I think it's I think it's literally on its face, the company poisoning the workers. That's that's ah. it. Sucking well, them dry and everything. Po- po- right, poisoning them to prop- use using them to to like for more production. Sure. Right. So the workers are actually paying the company to be worked to death. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's it's such a pro worker mess. I mean, pro worker in retrospect, but you yeah. know that's that's what they're saying. And <laughs> there was a great dialogue that went on with regard to uh, Marshall O'Neill talking to Lazarus saying, well, were there any autopsy performed? And she says, no, the company shipped the bodies off. Right. Well, how do you know it was suicide? Nice right. little fine point there, but hey, you know, he was smelling a rat then. Well, uh, speaking of Sean Connery, I have a fairly tenuous uh, gaucho watch for this episode. Gaucho watch is my self-indulgence where I try to find any connection to my alma mater, the University of California, Santa Barbara. Uh, but Sean Connery- here. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, Sean Connery was uh, pulled over and fined for speeding in Santa Barbara in 1990. <laughs> and the Santa Barbara sh- uh, sheriff said uh, at the time. <laughs> Wasn't Austin Healy, was it? No, no. He said 007 did it. But unlike Zsa, Zsa he didn't fight with police. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember getting in trouble. Yeah, Connery was fined uh, $190 for going 82 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone in a rented 1989 Thunderbird. Oh gosh, okay. that's what well, Felling Gaucho watch trips. Probably a convertible. Pick for a car. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Almost definitely. Yeah. Back back to this film. So we ask this question, and it takes different shapes depending on on what's what kind of film we're dealing with. Uh, this is obviously a film that takes place in the future. 
But what has happened to each of these characters and in the world sort of in the time after this film has ended? What, what do we what do we think is, is sort of the, the fallout for, for all of these characters, Greg? Well, obviously, Sean gets a new assignment somewhere. We don't know where. And then you got to figure somebody has who became the new marshal? Were they the ones that ended up arresting Boyle? Does the doc stay there? There is there was to me, there was nothing that gave you a hint as to what the future was for anybody except for Marsha O'Neill saying, okay, I'm gonna go back to my family now that I did uh, my duty for God and country uh, and the marshal service, you know, or federal security agency. Now, whether he had requested an assignment, whether he resigned, we don't know. We just know that, hey, I did my duty. I'm joining my family. Well, Marshall Kane in in high noon threw his badge in the dirt at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had done his duty. I think that's the, yeah. So that's the impression that I got is that Sean Connery is like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just going to go back to my family. And so who knows? Yeah, it certainly seemed like he was, I mean, he was going back to Earth, like whether or not that was, it didn't seem like he got reassigned to Earth. It seemed like he was just kind of like, all right, that I, my priorities are my family now. Yeah. Um, but more broadly, like as the, as our antagonist says, there's a guy like me, uh, uh, there's a guy, a guy like me on every station. Let me tell you what you're dealing with here. I run a franchise. The company hires me to dig as much ore as possible out of this hellhole. There's a guy like me on every mining operation all over the system. My hookers are clean, some of them are good looking. My booze is in water. The workers are happy. When the workers are happy, they dig more ore. They get paid more bonus money. When they dig more ore, the company's happy. When the company's happy, I'm happy. Sounds wonderful. I believe that. <laughs> there's sure. there's basically this these levels of corruption and, and sort of unchecked, you know, uh company run setups like it, I, I I appreciate that he weeded this out for this station, but I don't know that it means that that station is going to be any better off, or that any other station is going to. Oh be no! I, I think I think it just continues the moral decline. I think things stay completely the same. The only person we're really invested in, if not Sean Connery, I guess would be Lazarus. Yeah. And hopefully by this point, she's gotten enough of of her own sense of self that she's willing to fight because she was on the sidelines she yeah that, that was like actually a whole thing that she, that she came back um, she's seen marshals that hadn't been doing their job so why in the heck should i so when right so she had given she had given up but maybe maybe she becomes the new marshal maybe she takes over security maybe she cracks down but sean connery's character it's clear that he's he's just he's gone he's out um and the only thing that we know that happens to peter boyle is he got socked in the face oh fuck it Yeah, yeah. Uh, but probably people are still addicted to that drug. Probably those shipments will keep coming. Probably the company is going to keep mining until everybody dies. With a real-world parallel to real-world current events, it depends on how far the prosecutor wants to take it up the line. Yeah, and we don't even know what that what that looks like. Like We don't know what the law looks like beyond what nope. we see on the station. Would you guys notice in terms of, of the soundtrack, this was this was obviously uh, uh, a scored 
um, movie. It was it was it was very sort of tailored to to the scenes that were happening. Um, what, anything in particular stand out to you? I have to say, I've always been a Jerry Goldsmith fan, and this I, I don't I don't mean this negatively, but the music. I was so entrenched with the story and stuff like that. The music didn't really pop out at me, unlike when Jerry Goldsmith did Patton. Even though I was totally mm. immersed in Patton, that music blew out at me. And I think that might have been the point of, okay, we're out in space. Thing, you know, sound doesn't travel. Uh, it's, it, you know, it wasn't like any big uh, rousing patent march or anything in that. I think it was a subdued uh, soundtrack to kind of go with the creepy and crummy conditions of Io. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There wasn't any central piece of music yeah. that stuck out my mind like I've seen in other Jerry Goldsmith uh, pieces. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no real theme. No. No. Yeah, it's just little orchestral flourishes and and stuff here and there, uh, just 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 kind of punch stuff up on occasion. But that that's all that I noticed. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, was when only... they're when they're exploding. Well, the <laughs> only time I actually noticed the soundtrack was during the, and I got to point this out that chase kind of drags. It, or is that when he's just chasing like the dealer? He's chasing Stoda or Stoka or whatever his name is. When, yeah, they end up, when they end up in the kitchen. It's like, it's like fucking three minutes long. Also, like, yeah. where are you running on a space station? Like where, where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? <laughs> and there were, there were points where it was, it looked very clear to me that Sean Connery was like, I'm not, I'm not running here. He just yeah, kind of. He says enough of this shit. He's kind. He's kind of jogs a little bit. Go with a twelve gauge. Yeah, it, it was almost like like they had built this whole set, and they were like, "We're gonna we're gonna shoot the entire set. We don't have any other shots that show just how much we've built. We're gonna take we're gonna take you all the way around this to show you just how much we've built. Like <laughs> we're, we're going through the half mile of set that we've. Yeah, they're in great shape for uh, you know what is it one six gravity or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's that's another thing. You know, and in and, and, and one six gravity, when he punched Boyle, he would have still been floating. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would have been hilarious. You're just yeah, up to the ceiling, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what we, we know there's plenty of, of room for sci-fi movies. We've talked about how uh, the expanse is very much in a similar sort of envisioned world. Um, is this a movie that could get made again today, Greg? You know, I, I think about things like that for other and you're going to love this uh i'm just throw this out here i love have gun will travel and i oh, wish they could make that as a new remake for richard boone and i don't know if this one could be remade because quite frankly i thought that they did a pretty good job and i don't know other than up in the special effects which i don't think would add that much to it i think it is a a standalone and i'm okay with that you know there's yeah. other movies that oh boy 2001 2010 well is there gonna ever be a third one you know and then it can go to the extreme of my gosh i give a presentation on my top 10 or so favorite space movies and i don't include aliens or star wars because i can't keep count of how many movies there have been in both franchise <laughs> i judge movies as a one and done star trek how many Alien, how many? Star Wars. But I don't think they could really bring that back and give it any more punch because it's not going to be Sean Connery. 
Yeah, well, and we're not necessarily even asking in terms of like sequel or or, or remaking right. this exact movie. Just like could this could this movie as is get made today if it was being introduced in in twenty twenty one? Is this this script? If it hadn't you know? been done in nineteen eighty one, I still think that the high noon aspect to uh, you know good versus evil, and especially with the corporation corruption, this that, and everything else. I think if it got in the hands of a right director that would be a pretty good movie, especially with updated special effects, this and that and everything else. If you get a, a good guy to sit there and pull down Sean's role, I got a couple people that might be good to think Who, who would you want to see? I, I, I'd like to see like a Tom Hardy in that role. That's Ooh, actually exactly That's a good one, Noah. Of. That's a good one. Uh, the guy, or, jo- or Josh Berlin. Yeah, yeah you need someone with some world, world wariness, you know. Um, oh, Josh Brolin would be great. And those two guys, you know, brunette, studly, been around, kick, you know what? Yeah. Hang a phaser on them, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start off shotgun in this case. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe they come back with a, you know, six gun. I don't know. <laughs> hey, real quick, you know, on the thing about weapons in space. That was an interesting point that we talked about, but I'll tell you one that really brought that home was for all mankind on Apple TV. Did you guys see that? The, the series? No. For I, all mankind. And I, I'm saying this for the- Is this for all mankind a Star Trek episode? No, for all mankind was a two so far season done by Apple TV. And it talks about the space program, the space race. Highly recommended. I'm going to just give you a little flavor. M16s and AK-47s end up on the moon, and the <laughs> consequences are disastrous. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I could see that. You guys got to see that. I mean, you're gonna if you're a sci-fi lover and you love the space program, high budget, great, great actors and actresses, and man, I blew through that as soon as they came in. Do you guys, uh, before we, before we get to the all important final question, uh, any, any other notes and anything else that, that you, uh, wanted to, to chat about, you wanted to make sure we, we covered in this conversation. I would just like to say that I do think that this could be brought back and updated and it would actually be something that could be very special. Who would you have directed? Who do you think would be good when that one will, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve directing Josh Brolin on an outpost as a marshal yeah that would be actually that's quentin tarantino perfect. no <laughs> no we don't want this to get into because it's already it's Once not, upon a time in eo because <laughs> it's not it's not schlock it has a a quasi schlocky premise and it looks schlocky yeah but you're right it's not campy like, it's, like yeah right that's what i mean it's not like tarantino is like intentional camp like like yeah, even even right. if he's like being in your face <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's all it's all sort of winky and like denis villeneuve did sicario so imagine sicario on like a moon outpost i love those movies and actually josh berlin is in fucking sicario so absolutely. there you go absolutely and i think he'd be a good one so would hardy uh, you know, he does it all with his eyes and stuff like that from Dunkirk and all the different ones that uh, he's been in. Those are two really good stud muffins that carry the role. <laughs> we like stud muffins. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, well, well uh, on uh, on that note, let's uh, let's bring it 
bring us home with the all important final question. I think we already know the, know the answer to this, but we must ask Greg, this is the purpose of the podcast. Do you still like this movie? Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I have it uh, on my permanent retention just because I really enjoy seeing it and going back to that, to that time of 81 and everything that was going on in the world and so forth. But it's just Sean Connery. And I love the story of good confronting evil and coming out on top. And let's face it, guys, that's something this world could use a little bit more of right now. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you were a repeat viewer. Uh, what was your feeling the second time around? Well, after not having seen it for about 25 years, yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I do think it could use an update, but, you know, my problems with it are, are, are pretty minor. I think it's a good watch. It's, it's solid. It's really legitimately solid. Yeah, it holds up well and is surprisingly contemporary in, in certain ways. Uh, in, in I think the ways you won't you don't expect it to be, um, you know, on certain social fronts and and you you know you know that the technology is going to be a little bit outdated. The special effects yeah. are going to be a little outdated, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's <laughs> there've been a lot of sci-fi movies made in the last five, 10, 15 years with much better special effects and big budgets sure. that don't that don't just don't work or, or fail to, you know, to hit the, the, the beats that they're aiming for. And, uh, and yeah, this does the trick. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it is pretty tight considering it's about two hours long. Um, and it's, it's well acted and it's not particularly funny, but it's, it, it, it's able to be like crisp enough to, to move along at, at a, at a pace where it never really, feels like it's dragging too much there's there's one thing there's one quote that i wanted to mention and it's a dialogue scene between um, uh lazarus and o'neill and he's explaining how he's rebelling against being forced into this position in the quote-unquote rotten machine and they're sitting on a racquetball court yeah and she just goes you want to go get drunk and yeah. there's like there's like a, there's a there's a perfect beat and he just goes yeah <laughs> cuts. Yeah. so like there are moments of levity but it's it's well do you remember when he told lazarus it was something along this line well if you don't do this i'll just have to kick your little beep yeah uh, across the room <laughs> yeah that's a marshall joke i think he said right yeah she was great with their eyes very expressive and the close in oh everybody everybody's really good at this yep yeah uh, well, on that note, uh, Greg, thanks so much for, for joining us and for uh, bringing this film. Is there, guys. Is, there, is, there anything, is there anything that you would like to promote on, on, on the way out the door? If space is your deal, uh, please follow me on Twitter, Sky Guy in VA. Uh, we're at WTOP as a space reporter, and I've got a daily blog, almost daily, called What's Up to Spacepace.com. That's all for this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and on Instagram at like this movie and feel free to hop into the conversation using the hashtag ITILTM. That's hashtag ITILTM. We'll see you back here next time. I think I like this movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021. You really think you're making a difference? Then why, for God's sake?
Because maybe they are right. He sent me here to this pile of shit because he think I belong here. I want to find out if, well, if they're right. There's a whole machine that works because everybody does what they're supposed to. I found out I was supposed to be something I didn't like. That's what's in the program. That's my rotten little part in the rotten machine. I don't like it. So I'm going to find out if they're right. You want to go get drunk? Yes. At least you have some sense left. 